Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lecture 9. Mark 4, 3-16. The gospel is relatable. The gospel is secret. The gospel is war. This is, I don't know now, it's the 6th or 7th or maybe even the 8th week of what we've been doing. I know you was here last Sunday and I'll catch you up and Pastor Temple knows what's going on. So we've been asking uh, a question. It's a what if, right? And this is it's actually pretty exciting. What if? And inside this what if question, is, the question is, what's the message of the New Testament if the New Testament only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And so that's the question we've been asking. Now think about this for a second. Uh, we all know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You don't even have to be of the church. Um, you don't have to be uh, raised in the church to know some of the very popular things that are said in the Bible. Um, the Bible has permeated Western civilization. It's, it's pretty amazing what it's done, like things like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know about these things. Um, There's so many things that you know in the Bible. And Matthew's gospel has a lot of very, very popular sayings that because he just, he just writes so well. And so the Beatitudes would be one of the first things you would learn as a kid if you are in there. And we're currently in Mark, but I, I, I want to let you know that this gospel has, has infiltrated the world, especially Western civilization, so much that it, it's, it's so infiltrated that so much that we don't even know it and so much that we do know it, but at the same time, we don't really know much about the gospel. Like that, It's crazy how... It has, it's everywhere you go, there's the gospel. Everywhere. But we don't really know what is the gospel. When I ask, or when you ask, you ask, what's the gospel? People will tell you, well, you know, it's Jesus Christ. It's a good answer. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. This, we need a better answer, but that's a good answer, right? Jesus Christ is always a good answer. Who, who, who created the world? Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ is always a great answer. But at the same time, you ask people, what's the, well, the death, burial, and resurrection? Okay, then. That's, that's a good answer. That's a good answer because the gospel, the Bible actually does say the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that has to be a good answer. But we forget about that comma I've been bringing up every single week according to the scriptures. So if you only say the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then what you, are, what you simultaneously did or what English would like to say on the other end of the spectrum is you also said his life doesn't matter. If Jesus Christ was sent here for his death, burial, and resurrection, therefore, his life really doesn't have much credence. That's certainly not to disrespect Jesus Christ. It's certainly not to disrespect the Bible. But I'm just telling you what we say, and we don't realize the power of what we're actually saying because we're not completely thinking through what we're actually saying. If I tell you, there, if I tell you left, I'm also telling you not right. Does that make sense? If I say go left, it's understood not to go right <laughs> because there's something after, like language is powerful. There's something after uh, the, the, what is being said explicitly that is implied implicitly. And so look down is to say don't look up. So if I tell you, or you're at heights and they go, don't look down, that means no, man, just keep your eyes up. 
And so when you say things like, well, the death is, the, the, the gospel is a death, burial, and resurrection, which is true, because that's what the Bible says. You just can't leave out according to scriptures. And what we do is we say, focus on Jesus' death and don't worry about his life. And then that, 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 that poses a problem. We're going to be in Mark chapter 3. Uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 16. But let me give you this introduction. I'm setting the stage. When you think about that, like think about what I'm saying, the death, Mark, Mark chapter 4, 3 through 16. When you think about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you only think about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have a Christian that's only concerned with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are to err, Please error there. Right? <laughs> like, I, if you're going to make a mistake, I would, I, would so, I would be very glad that you made a mistake focusing on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You really can't go wrong focusing there, but I want you to think about what we're actually saying. Think about if you only focus on the death, burial, and resurrection, you're not focusing on the life, and you're not focusing on what came before the earthly life, amen, right, amen, because in the beginning was the word, right, so John says he always been alive, so his <laughs> earthly life, and, and so you leave out so much of what God has done, you, 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 you start to imply things like, well, this world was messed up, so God sent his son to die, true, but then you're also saying God didn't know it was coming, he had to fix it, so he put a plan together just now as like, like us. We, I see a problem. Let me work this out. But, but if you include Jesus' life, then you have to include all the fulfilling of covenants and all sorts of stuff. And you find out before there ever was a cross, there was always a plan. And God always had a plan, according to Genesis 3.15, when we, we bring up the pro ungalian Pro-Euangelion, which is Greek, is just basically the first sign of the good news, the first sign of this gospel. God is saying in the Garden of Eden that I'm going to have my son crush your son's head while you're just going to do a little blow on his heel. And so before there ever was a cross, there was always a plan. And before God ever fixed it with the cross, he already had a plan to do so. And he methodically waited and executed his plan step by step to wonderful perfection. And then we love the cross the way we love it today. Now, why am I saying all this here? Listen, let's see if we can put it into uh, layman's terms. If, if God was so awesome that he constructed a plan well before the word plan even existed and he made it work and then he saved the world, don't you think he can save your problems? Right. So we, we get so uh, it's, we get we get so stuck in our Friday situation. Right. Because Jesus died on Friday. And so we get it's on the, we're on the cross We're we're either or we get stuck on Thursday. Thursday really hurts when we're being publicly embarrassed. OK, so Thursday is when he was being lied on. Hey, amen. Who likes to be lied about or lied on? Right. Nobody. Amen. Right. He so he's being falsely accused. And then the whole system is against him. So it's this it's this corrupt system that puts him through, that, that, that sounds like the wrong side of the uh, judicial system, I was going to say a little bit too much, right? And so, 
Nobody likes that, so we get stuck in our Thursdays. They picking on me. They, all these things, we get stuck there and we die there. Then we die on Friday. And then we lose sight that Sunday is coming because we're dead spiritually on Friday. And we lose sight about that. But before there was ever a Friday, before there was a Saturday, before there was a Sunday, God always had a plan. And it's important to recognize that his plan is a major part of the gospel, not just the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here's the, now I would love for you to err. I, 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 I would hope that if you make a mistake, you make a mistake with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful mistake. Well, you can, Pastor Tibble can work out, he can work with you if you do that. He can, <laughs> he can sit you down for some Bible study and tell you about the Old Testament. <laughs> but if you just don't believe, that's a little harder. He's got to lean you over to God. Amen. But, but if, you, if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, well, you've, you've got half the battle won. But it's just half the battle. Now, I know that's controversial for me to say, especially in, in, in such a conservative church, which is a good thing, conservative in a good way. But it, but, it, but it is a problem because have you not noticed that we're stuck with Christians who are only concerned with the death, burial, and resurrection and are not concerned with Jesus' life? Here's what these Christians look like. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to do what I want to do now. Amen. Because the death, burial, and resurrection save their souls, but God don't have to, he, God will not be the Lord of their lives. Amen. Because the life of Jesus Christ doesn't matter. How he lived doesn't matter because, well, God knows my heart. He died for me. I'm not going to hell. I've walked down the aisle. I got baptized. I'm good. We do know Christians like this, right? That Jesus is their savior, but he's not their Lord. And so when you get stuck with the, I'm just concerned with the cross, you inadvertently disrespect Jesus' life. Now, I'm not saying everybody does this, but when you only, it's like, it's, it's, it's like and, and it's the same thing. If you only focus on the fact that he lived, and then you don't focus on the fact that he died, right? you, you, it has to be a balance. It has to be, you can't just focus on the covenants. You can't just focus on his life. Because God did a mighty work through his death and did an even more mighty work through his living, his, his after his death living, and then did a mighty work through his living. God's plan was so powerful. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus was resurrected and ascended, the same miracles Jesus did, his disciples did? Have you ever noticed that Paul would walk by people and heal them with, the, with his shadow? That the disciples would say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. You, sir, stand up and walk. That now, now, they weren't God. Did you, did, have you ever put this together? That something about the life of Jesus gave power to us to do the same miracles he did. Because since he was right, and taught us to be right. The power of God has no choice but to live in us. And that's why you can get through a hellish situation and not lose your mind. Because Jesus lived and you're living more like him. And the more you're living more like him is the more power that you shall have. 
It's not just, it's, sure, he died, good thing, great thing. But his death isn't giving you peace that surpasses all understanding. His life is giving you peace that surpasses all understanding because he went to the cross alive. And so you, and he tells you that you should go to the cross alive too. And don't lose your mind when those who persecute you after my sake. So have those of the prophets who came before you. So it's important that we understand this here. So what I want to talk about today for the next 15, 20 minutes, and, and, and then I'll be done because I, I wanted to give a long introduction, is what is the gospel? Because we've we got to come back. And we've been talking about this, I don't know, seven, eight weeks now. And we did five in Mark, Matthew, and then we're doing, so it's eight because this is the third in Mark. And so what is Mark trying to tell us the gospel? Last week we said exactly what, the God, what Mark said. Jesus said the gospel is this. The time has come. Repent uh, for the kingdom of God is near. Right? He flat out said that. That's what Jesus said. He, Jesus says, I am preaching the gospel for the time is at hand. Repent and the kingdom of God is near. Right? He, he said, well, I got it out of order, but that's exactly what he says. So in Mark chapter 4, Mark says, Jesus says a bit more about the gospel. Jesus says that the gospel isn't just this, this, this kingdom. It isn't just repent. The gospel is relatable. The gospel is secretive. And the gospel is something else we'll reveal in a second. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. <clears throat> so let us see what it says. I'll, I guess I'll read <coughs> Mark chapter 4. Tell you what, I'll read 3 through uh, 10. Pastor Temple, do you mind reading 11 through 16? Okay, I'll read 3 through 10. Um, listen, behold, a sower seer went out to sow, and it happened as, I think this is King James, as he showed that some seed fell by the wayside and birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up and because it had no death on the earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell on the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on the ground, uh, fell on good ground and yielded crop and sprang up and ceased and, and produced some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100. And he said unto them, He who hears, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him, the 12, asked him about the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery, the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see, and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. They said, any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? Amen. Uh, read one more for me. The sower sows his word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. Satan coming immediately and taking away the word that was sown in the 
Thank you very much. That's good. So I wanted to split, split that reading up because I wanted to give you two different voices because the character is actually it's kind of written that way. It's written in more voices. Sometimes you've got different characters that are, that are happening. You've got Peter talking, and then you've got Jesus talking. Then you have the disciples talking. Then you have the narrator talking. And I, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to split that up um, because there's, well, there's three things that are happening here. But I, def- I wanted to give you that because 10, they asked a question. Well, well, why these parables? And then he answers that question, different voice, different tone. He's such a great reader. And so first off, Mark's saying, listen, the gospel is relatable. Because Jesus, did you notice the way Jesus taught? Because he, he, he spoke in parables. And, 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 it's, and it's not so much in John. It's not so much in John's gospel. But it's definitely in the synoptics gospels, the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, synoptic, one vision, one optic, one vision, um, another Greek word. Every time Jesus had something to say, he dropped his education and he said it what people can hear. Interesting. Now, every time Jesus was talking to someone who knew better, he picked up his education <laughs> and let them have it with the word. Don't you know scriptures say, right? Every, every time Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he literally quotes scriptures to them because they know better. He, he, and I want, you to, I want you to catch this here because I want, Marcus, Marcus, he's pointing out this gospel. Every time Jesus talks to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he speaks their language. He literally jumps up. You're smart. Allow me to be smart with you and tell you what you think you know, but I'm going to say it a whole lot better than what you think you know, and you're going to be wrong, and I'm going to make this whole wrong thing look very right right now. This is Jesus talking. But then when he was talking to regular people, he said, oh, you're a fisherman. Guess what? I want to teach you how to fish for men. He says, oh, you're a farmer. Guess what? I know a guy. He plants some seeds. And on some seeds go on the rocky ground. This is a great, this is a great uh, uh, pericope, an episode of this here, in which Jesus is speaking the people's languages, and he uses parables, not education so much. He uses parables so people can get it. But, but not everybody, but we come to that in a second, right? <laughs> you know, he, he uses parables to where you can go, not only can you get it, but then it sticks with you because it's a story. It's like, like you'll never forget. Like you may not be able to quote for me verse, to, verse for verse the parable of the Good Samaritan. However, the fact that we say Good Samaritan is permeated every bit of Western civilization and Eastern civilization. To say Good Samaritan is somebody who didn't have to do it, but they did. Amen, right? If the Good Samaritan is someone who, like, you, you literally, it, we have laws. You can, if I give you CPR, and I break your ribs while giving you CPR. I'm protected by the Good Samaritan law. I'm not a Samaritan. Samaritan is a mixed, re- a mixed breed, a mixed race of Jews and something else. Uh, you know, something, something else. It, it could, <clears throat> could have been Samaritan, but something else. This mixed breed, but I hate to say that about human beings, but you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Like this, uh, you know, uh, mixed, mixed nationalities. But you're not Samaritan. So to say Good Samaritan takes on a different role. Because you may not know how many people passed up who needed to be helped, but you do know there was one who didn't. And so Jesus had a wonderful way of speaking this relatable gospel. What is this gospel? So whatever whatever the message of the uh, New Testament is, 
Whatever the message of the New Testament is, if you only have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you can say about it for sure is people can get it. Here's what you can also say. Everybody's not supposed to get it. That, he says that, right? He, he literally, this is what I had him pick up. He, he literally spends nine verses or, or so, seven verses or so, making you understand. But the very people who were with him didn't even understand. <laughs> this is Mark's, Mark is doing this in his entire gospel. Mark is trying to show you that the people, it's called Mark's ironic vision. The people who were supposed to know who Jesus Christ was didn't know him at all. He, there's, a, there's an episode of Pericope in which uh, the storm comes and the disciples say, what manner of man is this? And then they have no idea, but the waves and the wind has an idea. Because the waves and the wind obey Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is God. And the last time God spoke to wind and water and it obeyed was the creation of the world, Genesis chapter 1. So the wind and the water is obedient, but the disciples are confused. What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waters obey him? And then now we see in this, well, let's go. Let's go a little more. And then right after that episode, Jesus cast some demons into some pigs. But before that happens, the demons say, we know exactly who you are. But the disciples don't. The disciples don't figure out who Jesus Christ is until the other side of the cross. But the demons on the left side of the cross knows exactly who Jesus Christ is. So this is Mark saying, listen, you're the one you've been looking for. You've missed him, but he's been here the whole time and you mistreated him. He's been here the whole time and you've missed his word. And unfortunately, he gave it to you in a very relatable way, but it wasn't for everybody. <laughs> he gave it to you. He didn't hide it, but. The, the mystery was hidden itself. There's something about the mystery of, of what the gospel is that if you don't catch it, it's not, it shouldn't be you don't catch it because I want to show my education so much that I want to look smart and I want to tell you about Greek and Hebrew and I want to speak so highly of myself or think so highly of myself that I'm totally confusing you. <laughs> that, that's not preaching. Neither is that spreading the gospel. For me to be so smart that I confuse you because I want to show my education and not my transformation. I'm not properly doing the gospel. Amen. And so Jesus says, listen, I've been giving it to you. What Mark is saying, Jesus said, I've been giving it to you. But some of this stuff you're just not going to get. And I'm not talking about in the future. It's just not meant for everybody. Because if you don't catch some stuff by faith, you just won't catch it at all. If you see, it's hard for you to believe that Jesus rose from the dead in three days. Now, you believe it because we say it and we say it. And you've been here all your life. But really, when you think about it, if you haven't caught that by faith, you're just not catching it. You're just not catching a man rising from the dead. You're just not catching. Like when you think about Jesus being all God and all man at the same time, but neither of those natures mixed. That is a conundrum in itself. They've been arguing about it since the, uh, since the first, nope, not first century, since the fourth century. They've been arguing about it with the councils. How can you be all man, all God, but the two nations don't mix? But guess what? If you don't catch it by faith, you, you, you just won't catch it. Amen. And it, it's important for the two nations not to mix because if they did mix, then Jesus cheated because he resisted. The true miracle of Jesus is that he resisted sin 
not because he was God. He was all man and his all man resisted sin. He struggled the same struggle we struggled. You understand what I'm saying? He he resisted the temptation to cut somebody smooth out, not because he was God. But because he was man, his man side suffered on the cross as well as his divine side suffered on the cross. And they didn't mix because it's not that Jesus didn't have an option to sin. He had options. And it's not that he couldn't sin because he could have the real miracle of Jesus Christ is that he could have, but he did not. But again, the last two minutes, what I just said, if you don't catch it by faith, you just won't catch it at all. <laughs> you, just, you just won't catch it. And this, this is what the parable, this, this is what's happening right here. So what is the gospel? What is the message of the New Testament? If it's only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, according to Mark, that is, it's, it's, it's definitely relatable, but everybody won't catch it. Did you not notice when Jesus said, using a little gospel gumbo here, the poor will be with you always? Now, the truth is, Jesus knew that there's enough resources out here to hook everybody up. He, he knew that there's enough education out here to hook everybody up. But he just knew some folk would never get it. Now, whether that be from system abuses or whatever, or just some folk just will not believe. They just refuse. They just won't. They just will. Now, I just, nope, not going to believe it. Right? If, if Pastor Temple knows, we, we just got some members like this here. Just, it, it, this, you have some members who are members of the church, but not members of God's army. Amen. Amen. Right? And so it's, it's definitely... It's definitely relatable, but at the same time, everybody won't relate to it. And so that should give you some good credence and some good clarity to understand that you need to be simple, but you don't need to be offended because people don't buy into your Jesus. Because when you start being offended, then, you, then your tone changes. And when your tone changes, you become ineffective for God himself. You, you want to push people. You want to, you want to, you're going to take what I said. You, you're not going to be gay. You're not going to smoke weed and all these things. But the truth is, you become ineffective because, well, some people just ain't going to get it. That's, it's, I promise you, this is in the text. Right? He says, I'm teaching the parables. And then he has to, he has to even educate his, his disciples. And here's the deal. His disciples eventually got it, not because they were smart, not because they were chosen, but because they were close enough to him to finally get it. Amen. Lord have mercy. I just said a whole lot right there. Amen. Some of this stuff you just ain't going to get. But keep walking closer to Jesus. Amen. And some of that stuff on you that's holding you back from him, it's just going to fall off. Amen. Just by pure proximity. Some of the stuff wrong with you is just going to fall away. Because you can't keep walking close to Jesus and holding on to yourself. It just ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not going to happen. You can't hold on to his kingdom while dragging your kingdom. Amen. You just can't do it. One of those kingdoms have to flee. But then lastly, he brings up, and that's a, <clears throat> verse 15, which I had Pastor Temple reading. Thank you for that. He's, in fact, read, read it for me one more time. Read, read for me what Satan does. And, they are, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and takes away the word that was sown. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Now, did you catch it? There's three things going on here. This is, this is almost like a, a good three-point sermon. Mark is saying, 
the gospel's relatable because Jesus is he's 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 preaching it in a manner. Whatever the God, whatever this gospel is, Jesus is making it very simple for poor people with no education who cannot read to understand. That is the fact. These people see they, they don't live in the 21st century. Everybody reads in the 21st century. That is not the case in the first century. These people could not read. They could they they, they didn't own books. 75% of their income went to bread so they can live. These people just didn't have it together like we think having it together is. Yet Jesus preaches something so profound to them that they get it. That's powerful. Because how can you get something you can't even read? Well, apparently, Jesus makes it so relatable that they can. But everybody didn't get it because the folk who could read read very well, <laughs> didn't get it at all. <laughs> Amen. So <laughs> you got this dichotomy going on. The folks who shouldn't have got it at all got it. The folks who should have got it didn't get it. But then Pastor Temple reads verse 15. And, 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 and I, I, love, I love a preacher who reads slow. Then Satan comes immediately. When? After the seeds have been sown. So not only is the gospel relatable, not only is the gospel uh, a secret, but it's war. Whatever this gospel message is, it is war. And the devil is waging war against it. And Jesus has waged war against him. Amen. And the good thing is, the first thing Jesus does, at least according to Marcus, he runs himself into the wilderness. So where Adam failed in the wilderness or the garden, Jesus wins in the wilderness or the garden where Adam failed. Jesus, the first thing Jesus. Okay, so the first thing Adam does is gets a word from the Lord and then starts working in the wilderness. Amen. Fair enough. Now, now not, not wilderness like Exodus, but wilderness is I'm using wilderness for the garden. The first thing Jesus does is gets a word from the Lord and then takes itself into the garden, but, but not in the garden, but the wilderness. And they both face Satan. The moment God spoke, Satan showed up. Lord, have mercy. I'm getting ready to end and you need to catch it because here's the deal. Verse 15 says, and these are they who was getting the seed sown to. But Satan shows up immediately is what you thought the Greek word. Immediately, the moment God starts working on your life, expect the devil to show up. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Expect them. Expecting to have, the moment you say, yes, Lord, he will have somebody cut you off in traffic. Expect it. You ain't going to see it coming. You ain't going to know how it's going to happen. You're just going to be ready. What, what Pastor Tipper say, you go, say, say you love the Lord and hit your thumb with a hammer and see what come out. Because <laughs> whatever's in you, when you can't think, it's coming out of you, right? And so basically, this gospel, this message, whatever this message is, it's being waged, it, it is being waged upon, as far as war goes, by Satan, but Satan is already defeated. Amen. Before this, before you can see Satan warring with these seeds, because clearly the seeds are the gospel. And that's the clear, this, this, clear, this clear description that whatever the gospel is, it's in these seeds. And also it's clear that the seeds don't immediately turn into a harvest. So spread your gospel but stop punishing people because you can't see a harvest. Because that's not what seeds do. Amen. Seeds take time to harvest. Amen. So yes, you don't wear your skirts so high anymore. But 
You did. <laughs> you don't chase women anymore, but you did. And it took a while for you not to did no more, with air quotes around it. So don't say, oh, you in our church now, we don't chase women. Yeah. <laughs> you can say it, but don't expect for that harvest to show up because you preached a good sermon. Amen? And so whatever this message is, and, and, and we're ending, we definitely can see that it is relatable. Jesus had a way of doing what Paul did. Well, the Roman, I was, I was Roman, you know, right? Uh, call me Paul. With the Hebrew people, I was Hebrew. Call me Saul. I respected the law with the Hebrews. I did not respect it with the Greeks. I became all that I could be. To win them all. <laughs> but so did Jesus. Jesus would tell you, beware that. Beware the Pharisee of the, uh, beware the Pharisees. Beware the, beware the yeast. There we go. <laughs> of the Pharisees. Thank you. <laughs> beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And that's clear. That's clear scripture. That's clear. That's clear Hebrew talk because the Exodus, they went, you know, unleavened bread. That, that's, you, you wouldn't understand that if you were not part of Hebrew nation. But then Jesus also said, listen, man. I know you fish, but I'm really, before, before Peter was ever a believer of Christianity, with air quotes around it, man, I'm going to take you fishing for some men. Because you fish so well, let me take what you do well and work in that. So give yourself permission to make the gospel relatable. Respect the fact that everybody's not going to get it. And know that the moment you hear this message, the devil is coming. Let me pray for you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done. We appreciate you. We admire your holy word and your holy son and your holy spirit and your holy self. And we simply make a humble request to you that you surround us with your love because the devil is coming. If, if we're to believe in you and if we're to believe in your word, the devil just faced or, or, or took a major de defeat because we just understood your word better. He doesn't like it so everybody in this room or anybody listening later, CD and audio, he's coming after them. He's coming after us. But he can't penetrate love because your love and where you are the devil must flee. In Jesus' name, amen. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training and I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions now is it because i hire slowly true but it's because i wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact i wasn't 
getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.